Persuasion by Jane Austen, Volume 2, Chapter 10. Previously on Persuasion, we've got Anne Elliot, who has been mooning after and thinking about Captain Wentworth for the past eight years since she was persuaded to turn down his marriage proposal. And then she finally gets to see him again. She spends the first half of the of the book (laughs) watching him flirt with Louisa Musgrove. And then finally, Louise ends up engaged to somebody else so he's free from that then they're both in bath and they finally talk to each other a little bit but then he thinks that she's going to become engaged to her cousin mr elliot and Anne's all worried that she doesn't know how she's going to explain to him that no she doesn't want to marry mr elliot she still wants to marry captain wentworth and then last chapter we get a bunch of more news about mr elliot from her friend mrs smith um we get a lot of information about how mr Elliot, you know does not respect her family i guess even though he's the heir to her father's estate and yeah a lot of information along those lines uh, about how he has spent a lot of money isn't you know wasn't didn't want the family name didn't want the family estate just wanted money and has now changed his mind and does want the estate. So he's worried that Anne's father, um, Sir Walter, will marry Mrs. Clay, um, which is something that Anne was also worried about, and that if they have a son, then that would disinherit disinherit her cousin, Mr. Elliot. So he's hoping to... So he came back into the family to try and make sure that didn't happen, as well as then once he saw Anne, he decided he would want to marry Anne, and that would... I'm think maybe help secure his place in the family i'm not really clear on why he needs to marry Anne, other than he is going to an inherited state and i don't think he has any children so he probably does need to marry somebody um by those social standards of the time and Anne's, and maybe he thinks Anne is as good as any not really clear but either way we have ended up with Anne still in the same place where everyone in her family is sort of wanting Well, no, that's not true. Her father and sister, I don't think, care. But Lady Russell and Mr. Elliot have very clearly decided that Anne should marry Mr. Elliot. Captain Wentworth seems to think that that's what she's planning to do. Um, And Anne has not yet figured out how to tell everyone that she doesn't want to marry Mr. Elliot. And how to make sure for sure Captain Wentworth understands that she wants to marry him instead. And there are only three chapters left. So we're going to have to figure out how she works out this way to... Let Captain Wentworth know that she wants to marry him soon. All right, so chapter 10. I'm going to call this a moving the chess pieces around kind of chapter because what I read as this chapter is she's getting all her characters Jane Austen that is is getting all her characters in place um getting them all together in the same place and that I don't know 
gives us the setting for how this whole story is going to end. And I think that is the purpose of what we get out of this chapter 10. So the chapter starts with Anne thinking about all that she had learned in last chapter, in chapter 9, from Mrs. Smith about Mr. Elliot. So we first get Anne sort of thinking about that. And she says her feelings were relieved by this knowledge of Mr. Elliot. There was no longer anything of tenderness due to him. He stood, as opposed to Captain Wentworth, in all his own unwelcome obtrusiveness and the evil of his attentions last night, the irredeemable mischief he might have done, was considered with sensations unqualified, unperplexed. Pity for him was all over. I think that's a great sentence. It's a long sentence, but it's a good one. And that sort of summarizes what uh, Anne thinks about Mr. Elliot at this point. That before she'd learned all this new information from Mrs. Smith, she was sort of, I guess, sad for Mr. Elliot that's the right word she felt that Mr. Elliot was a good person and that it was you know that she was sort of gratified by his attentions and such but now she can't even have that sort of feelings for him she's just over the idea of of him at all as a suitor for herself or even as a friend and so it sort of relieves her of having any thoughts about him um as far as you know being right in her thoughts of him of not wanting to marry him and wanting to marry captain wentworth and blah 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 that you know he holds he's nothing compared to captain wentworth and she's right in her decisions and it just sort of holds that up for her and says she's thankful of her own knowledge of her and she or all knowledge of him and wishes that she could spit you know that no she could share that knowledge with her family but this was a vain idea she must talk to lady russell um so she's basically understood that she doesn't she can't tell her father or her sister about this that a they wouldn't believe her um i think that's fair enough they wouldn't believe her they wouldn't care what she had to say the only person she thinks she can consult with is lady russell and so that's her plan. She's going to go talk to Lady Russell and figure out what they're going to do from there. And I think, again, it's telling that Anne's first thought is she wants to talk to Lady Russell about this. So that's who she considers a good friend and a confidant. But she doesn't feel like she can tell her father or her sister anything, which makes sense considering who her father and sister are, but is also very sad. <laughs> um, so she goes home and she finds out that she, as she had wanted to, had escaped having to see Mr. Elliot that he was there while she was gone and she then found out he was coming that evening for dinner and that's sad because she was just it says that he had called and paid them a long morning visit but hardly had she congratulated herself and felt safe till tomorrow when she heard that he was coming again in the evening so she comes she's like oh good he already came so we're so i'm safe and then oh crap he's coming back so poor Anne. And then we get this funny little conversation with Elizabeth where she's like trying to be all flirty. Um, well, not really flirty. I don't know what you call it when you're post flirting. So she wants she's flirting with Mr. Elliot, even though Mr. Elliot's not there. But she's all like kind of giddy and giggling about him to her friend, Mrs. Clay. Um, so they're sort of talking back and forth and 
Mrs. Clay is saying that, you know, oh, yes, Mr. Elliot really wanted to come. And Elizabeth said she wasn't planning to ask him, but he gave so many hints, so Mrs. Clay says. And sort of like, oh, I didn't even notice he was flirting with me. And Mrs. Clay, oh, yes, he was flirting so much with you. Um, sort of sickeningly sweet. And then they're talking about how, you know, it'd be so great for him to come. And Elizabeth's kind of pretending that he was just coming to see her father. Um, and he says, Mr. Elliot looking up with so much respect towards her father. Which Anne notices and thinks again about how awful he is. And her point here actually makes me think that maybe what Mrs. Smith said was worse than I was giving it credit for last chapter. Because I got kind of came out of last chapter feeling sort of underwhelmed with the evilness of this character. Because I get the picture point that Mr. Elliot is supposed to be sort of our evil Wickham, Willoughby, Henry Crawford sort of character. Um... And I'm not getting that vibe from him. Like, he just doesn't seem evil enough to fit that mold for me. When his big crime seems to be that he's not respectful to Sir Walter. When I did, like, yes, go, don't be respectful to Sir Walter. But now I'm seeing that it's more that he's a liar and he's duplicitous. In that he, he came back and he's pretending to be respectful and nicer than he actually is and so I think that maybe maybe that makes more sense to me as to why he's a bad person is more his lying and duplicitous nature than actually I don't know than actually the fact that he doesn't respect Sir Walter because I don't think Sir Walter really deserves much respect it's more that he's pretending and feigning all this respect for no when he doesn't have it just to try and make sure to worm his way back into the family so that he can control what's happening to secure his own inheritance. Um, so anyway, she invited him to Elizabeth invited him to come back. And there's this conversation between her and Mrs. Clay where they're all, where Mrs. Clay is obviously just like feeding into Elizabeth's vanity and like playing up, this thing with Mr. Elliot. And so Anne is also looking at Mrs. Clay and noticing that Mrs. Clay doesn't seem perturbed by Mr. Elliot being there, which what she's heard from Mrs. Smith makes her think that maybe it wouldn't be like that Mrs. Smith wouldn't want to see her or wouldn't want to see Mr. Elliot because Mr. Elliot is like telling her not to marry Sir Walter. There's a whole thing. And so, but it seems like Mrs. Clay is able to be placid about it. A placid look and appear quite satisfied with the cur curtailed license of devoting herself only half as much to Sir Walter as she would have done otherwise. Um... And then she, Anne says, it kind of skips forward in time and saying that Anne finds it quite painful to have Mr. Elliot approach and speak to her. She had used before to feel that he could not always, could not be always quite sincere, but now she saw insincerity in everything. 
His attentive deference to her father, contrasted with his former language, was odious, and when she thought of his cruel conduct towards Mrs. Smith, she could hardly bear the sight of his present smiles and mildness, or the sound of his artificial good sentiments. She meant to avoid any such alteration of manners as might provoke a rem remonstrance on his side. It was a great object with her to escape all inquiry. But it was her intention to be decidedly cool to him, as might be compatible with her with their relationship, and to retrace as quietly as, as she could the few steps of unnecessary intimacy she had been gradually led along. She was accordingly more guarded and more cool than she had been the night before. So he's there. He's trying to kind of start up again from where they were. And she has no interest in doing that. Right. She is ready for. She is ready for him to go away, but she can't outright cut him or she doesn't want to act any differently than before. She doesn't want her actions to be kind of remarked upon. Um, so she's doing her best to try and still be kind to him and not like draw anybody to her weird behavior by still but still keep him at arm's length and he found that and it's we kind of noticed that he or not noticed the narrator tells us a little bit from his perspective that he was trying to like pull her in bring up the curiosity about how he had heard about her before um, but the charm was broken and he found that the heat and animation of a public room were necessary to kindle his modest cousin's vanity. He found, at least, that it was not to be done now by any of those attempts which he could hazard among the two commanding claims of the others. He little surmised that it was a subject, acting now exactly against his interest, bringing immediately into her thoughts all those parts of his conduct which were least excusable. So... Her seeing how he's interacting with her father and everything is just making her mad now. And he doesn't know that. He thinks he's being polite and it's still helping his cause. And he also doesn't know why his charms are suddenly not working with him. <laughs> or with her. And she was happy to find that he was leaving Bath the next day. And he was going to be gone for the greater part of two days. Um, and, you know, she's just kind of thinking it's bad enough that Mrs. Clay is always here. But that a deeper hypocrite should be added to their party seemed the destruction of everything like peace and comfort. And then there's a very interesting sentence here. It says, It was so humiliating to reflect on the con constant deception practiced on her father and Elizabeth, to consider the various sources of mortification preparing for them. Mrs. Clay's selfishness was not so complicated, nor so revolting as his, and Anne would have compounded for the marriage at once, with all its evils, to be clear of Mr. Elliot's sub subtleties and endeavoring to prevent it. So I think that was a really interesting way to put it, that she, like Mr. Elliot, had seen that Mrs. Clay is trying to sort of get her father to marry her, get Anne's father to marry Mrs. Clay. And she doesn't like it, and she thinks it's bad, but she's putting Mr. Elliot's behavior on a whole nother level, that Mrs. Clay wanting the marriage is bad, but she would rather have that marriage take place than have to deal with Mr. Elliot and his, you know, and his trying to prevent the match. So I thought that was interesting the way she put that, that she finds what Mr. Elliot's done so much more reprehensible than Mrs. Reprehensible than Mrs. Clay, which honestly I think would be true. You know, if we're saying that Mr. Elliot only came back with this idea to try and mess with the marriage, 
um, that might take place um, to save his own inheritance. But I think Mrs. Clay, I mean, unless we're saying that she actually does like Elizabeth, or are we thinking that she's only there to try and secure a husband in Elizabeth's father? I don't know. I think they could be on pretty similar planes in the fact that they're wanting to secure, you know, money or status to themselves either way. So on Friday morning, she's supposed to be going to Lady Russell and she's going to tell her all about what she learned from Mrs. Smith about Mr. Elliot. Um, but she's holds off for a little bit because Mrs. Clay is also going out and she doesn't want to get stuck with Mrs. Clay. So she waits for Mrs. Clay to leave. And then she decides she's going to go off and see Mrs. or see Lady Russell. But before she can go. Well, first, Elizabeth and Mr. or and Sir Walter are both super rude against Lady Russell. They brought this up before, but um, they send their kindest regards. But but you know she's ugly and her dress was so ugly the other day and you know it's a sir walter says morning visits are never fair by women at her time of life who make themselves up so little if she would only wear rouge she would not be afraid of being seen so he calls her ugly elizabeth and before said that i was ashamed of her at the concert um, from what she was wearing she was talking about i thought her dress hideous the other night I was ashamed to see be seen with her. So, like, they're both just, oh, yes, give her kindness of arms, but she's so ugly. But yes, you know. And you may say that I will call upon her. Blah, blah, blah. You know, they're just such fake civilities towards Lady Russell. They're not going to, like, cut her. She's high enough that they want her society, but they also don't really like her. So anyway, this conversation is going on, and Anne's about to leave when there is a knock at the door and somebody's here. Who could it be? It's Mr. and Mrs. Charles Musgrove. So Mary's here. Mary and her husband have shown up. And it takes a little while for us to figure out why they're here. Um, and I thought it was funny that it says, And as soon as it became clear that, the, that these, their nearest relations, were not arrived with any views of accommodation in, the, in that house... Sir Walter and Elizabeth were able to rise in cordiality and do the honors of it very well. So the first thing that Elizabeth and Sir Walter want to make sure is that neither that the Musgroves are not going to be staying with them, Mr. and Mrs. Musgrove. So the biggest thing Sir Walter cares about is making sure his own daughter is not trying to stay with him in Bath. But they find out, no, they're staying at an inn and they're there with um, Mrs. Musgrove, Henrietta Musgrove and Captain Harville. And so she had to get all this from Charles because Mary is very um, not telling them good information. And it seems like Sir Walter and Elizabeth are just busy trying to like show off and show them all around the rooms and all the fancy stuff they have and blah, 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 blah. And so she learns, we learn some very merry stuff that first... Charles was going to come with Miss, with Captain Harville, but Mary was upset. She didn't want to get left behind. And so first they were not going to go at all, but then Mrs. Musgrove, Charles's mom, decided that she would come to Bath and she'd bring Henrietta so that they could buy wedding clothes. And then it turned out 
that Captain Harville and Charles were going to come too, and Mary would become part of the party, and it was it became a whole thing. So it sounds like Mary did her usual Mary thing and kind of got herself invited on the trip that nobody actually wanted her to come on, but she's happy about it, and so here we are. Um, and so they're there to get Henrietta's wedding clothes, which Anne is a little bit surprised about because she didn't think that... Um, her to-be-husband, Charles Hayter, had enough money to be married, but she finds out that he got a new position within the church. Um, it's not forever. It's only temporary, but it's for quite some time, and it's good enough that they're going to get married. Um, and they talk a little bit more about money and marriage in money and how Charles's father wished that the gentlemen were richer, but otherwise it was fine. And, you know, it's kind of hard to get the dowries together for both girls at once, but it's all so but it's all good and Anne is kind of overflowing in admiration for Mr. and Mrs. Musgrove and how they only want the happiness for their kids and they're not so miserly about the money situation which I think she's kind of thinking of herself there like her family didn't act that way and we learn a little bit more about Louisa and that while she is recovered she has altered quite a bit and Charles says there's no running or jumping about, no laughing or dancing. It is quite different. And she reacts badly to um, loud noises, it sounds like, and sits around all the day with um, Benick reading verses to her. Um, so it sounds like she's a very different person than who we met in the first half of the book, which is interesting that that's kind of how it's been written, that she had this head injury and now has... Um, such a significant change in her personality. And so there, anyway, she talks to Charles for a bit until he gets pulled away to go admire the mirrors in the China by the rest of her family. And Anne had heard enough, though, to understand the present state of Upper Cross and to rejoice in its happiness. And though she sighed as she rejoiced, her sigh had none of the ill will of envy in it. She would certainly have risen to their blessings if she could, but she did not want to lessen theirs. So this, this is just pointing out how Anne's a good person. That yes, she's sort of, you know, it's not envious. So yes, she would like to be able to be, you know, getting married to Captain Wentworth and share in the happiness of having um, an engagement and a wedding to plan. But she's not so selfish as to want to take away their happiness that, they're, that Henry and Louise are both getting married. Which is good. In any case, they talk it off. Mary's in very good, excellent spirits for having been at Bath and having come up with her mother-in-law and her everything. And she was, it says something I think is kind of interesting. Let's see. Mary was in excellent spirits, enjoying the gaiety and the change and so well satisfied with the journey in her mother-in-law's carriage with four horses and with her own complete independence of Camden Place that she was exactly in a temper to admire everything as she ought and enter most readily into all the superiorities of the house as they were detailed to her. She had no demands on her father or sister and her consequence was just enough increased by their handsome drawing rooms. So I think it's interesting that her consequence was just enough increased by their handsome drawing rooms. And what I am reading that to mean is that she wouldn't want them to be living in a place she was embarrassed by, right? That would be embarrassing. 
So you want your family high enough that you're not embarrassed by them. But I think the just enough is that, but they're not so much better than where you're staying that you're embarrassed of where you're, of yourself, you know? So she feels like equal to what they're getting. They're not so much better than her. That's what I'm reading from that anyway, was the just enough. And then we slip over into Elizabeth's head for a minute and we have her thoughts. Um, so Elizabeth was for a short time suffering a good deal. She felt that Mrs. Musgrove and all her party ought to be asked to dine with them. But she could not bear to have the difference of style, the reduction of servants which a dinner must betray, witnessed by those who had all been always so inferior to the Elliots of Kellynch. It was a struggle between propriety and vanity, but vanity got the better, and then Elizabeth was happy again. Which is just... So Elizabeth knows that propriety says she should invite these people, who are her in-laws, right, to a dinner party. Since they are established in Bath and these this family is just visiting for a little bit but she doesn't want to because they know what their style of living used to be when they were in the country in Kellynch and it is much less now they have less servants they don't have the kind of style that they used to even though they pretend to and so they don't want to do that and so instead of and so she decides she's not going to invite them to dinner even though she knows she should and she pretends that it's because it's not the style and that it's better to invite them to just a evening party instead of a dinner party which i the way that elizabeth's talking about it i mean i think there is a significant difference in this time frame of being invited over to spend the evening with the family instead of being invited to dinner and so it seems like elizabeth is aware of this difference and very much not doing what she should for her family like this um but Mary is satisfied with that. And in any case, then they Charles and Mary leave and Anne goes with them to go see Mrs. Musgrove and Henrietta. And her plan of sitting with Lady Russell must give way for the present. So Anne is readily able to give up her idea of going to talk to Lady Russell about the situation because it's more important to... Go see the Musgroves. Um, which also kind of shows that it, maybe she's not as interested in having this conversation with Lady Russell as she originally said and thought she was. I don't know. But she is very excited to go see the Musgroves. And when they go, Anne had the kindest welcome from each, from Mrs. Musgrove and Henrietta. And... It was a heartiness and a warmth and a sincerity which Anne delighted in the more from the sad want of such blessings at home. And so we get this scene here where the Musgroves really do claim Anne. It says she's claimed as part of the family. And I just think this is such a sweet moment for Anne because <laughs> I've been complaining this whole time that Anne has nobody. She has no friends. You know, there's just Lady Russell, who I don't see as a good friend. Then she had Mrs. Smith, who then didn't tell her about Mr. Elliot until, you know, for her own gain, in my opinion. So also doesn't seem like the best of friends. And she just has nobody. And then she shows up at the Musgroves, and they just envelop her in this thing of that you're part of our family, and you're just one of us, and they treat her just like one of them. And I, it's just beautiful, and I love it. And I love that Anne has somebody in this scene here. 
And so they talk about shopping and getting wedding clothes and blah, blah, blah. And then it seems like it's a rather, she said, it's a scene of confusion. A thorough, thorough confusion was to be expected in a hotel suite like that. So, and then guess who else shows up? Captain Harville and Wentworth. So should have been expecting this. We knew that Captain Harville was part of the party that came up with the Musgroves and he's best buds with Captain Wentworth. So obviously, as soon as he gets there, when some Captain Wentworth is there, they're going to meet up. And Captain Wentworth is friends with all the Musgroves, so he came back with Captain Harville, and so he's there. And it was impossible for her, Anne, to have forgotten to feel that this arrival of their common friends must soon be bringing them together again. And I think this is a hint that of why she was so excited to go see the Musgroves. That yes, she likes the Musgroves. Yes, they were great and had this beautiful family scene. But I think in the back of her head, she's like, and maybe Captain Wentworth will be there and I'll get to see him because, you know, she's been worried about how she's going to get to see Captain Wentworth. And this is her excuse. And that's kind of what I meant by the chess pieces moving around is that this has now given us a reasonable place for Anne to see Captain Wentworth again and to, you know, spend time with him, talk to him, help correct his assumption that she's going to marry Mr. Elliot the, the Musgroves being in Bath really opens up that social connection where she's going to be able to see him and uh, things are going to work out. And uh, it's very exciting. And she notices, so she then talks about how the last time they met, she had derived from it a delightful conviction that he was still in love with her, you'd think, or she thinks, um, and I think we as readers know, um, but he seems to have be under the same unfortunate persuasion which had hastened him away from the concert room before. And so she's thinking that surely we'll be able to come over this. You know, she's trying, kind of thinking about how we can, how she can let him know that she's not in love with Mr. Elliot, that she's not planning to marry him. Um, hasn't really come up with anything when Aunt Mary suddenly calls her to the window and says that she sees Mr. Elliot and Mrs. Clay out in, out on the corner of Bath Street. And Anne doesn't really believe it at first. She says, well, Mr. Elliot's out of town. Um, he was supposed to leave Bath at nine this morning. He does not come back till tomorrow. And But Mary persists that she sees them. And that Mr. Elliot and Mrs. Clay are shaking hands. Which is, you know, touching as unmarried people out in the world is considered rather risque at the time. Um, you know, or not risque, but at least very, it, it implies a close relationship. You don't do that to just, you don't shake hands with just anyone. Um, and Mary is sure about it. So Anne, to placate her, finally goes to the window and is like, oh, yeah, it is him. Um, he must have changed his hour of going. I, or I may be mistaken. I might not attend. And acts and tries to keep all her composure together. And this is added to the fact that some of the ladies, it says, were giggling at her talking about it. Um, so it seems like this rumor that she's going to marry Mr. Elliot has risen to other people and or that they know about it and she wants to dispel it and by being as calm as possible 
She's hoping to try to do that. Um, though apparently, though the fact that she was struck dumb at first made people think that she was like conscious of him. So anyway, we learned that Mr. Elliot and Mrs. Clay were out there, which is weird, right? So again, I'm like, I don't think these sorts of things, like it's really brushed off in the conversation and Jane Austen and this whole, the rest of them all just move right along and don't talk about it anymore. Anne makes this big deal about it, about Mr. Elliot being there. It goes on for a whole page, but then it's just kind of, oh yeah, it is him. And then they all move on and nobody talks about it anymore. And there's no like conclusion to it really until we, the end of the chapter, Mrs. Clay admits that it's there. And I think that might be what's bringing me here is that I've read the end of the chapter already. Although we don't know exactly why Mrs. Clay met with Mr. Elliot here. But I don't think any of this is by accident. There's some there's something going on with Mr. Elliot and Mrs. Clay. I don't know what it is. But I assume we're going to find out and that there's something important about the fact that they met up and that Mr. Elliot lied about leaving Bath or put it off or, you know, something happened that's weird for why he's still in Bath. Something's wrong because he's he's lied about something or misled them about something to have been meeting with Mrs. Clay instead of leaving Bath the way he said he was going to. But we stop talking about this because Charles comes back. Or no, Charles is there, but the other visitors, so there were other there were other ladies in the room visiting with Mrs. Musgrove, the mother-in-law. Um, and so they leave, and then Charles lets them know that he got tickets to the theater. He got a box for them all for tomorrow, and he's saying, says it's great, and Captain Wentworth and Anne can come too. It's going to be so much fun. And Mrs. Musgrove's all, like, thinking that's a good idea too, but then it's Mary who drum, jumps in and says, like, no, Charles, we just got invited. You know, we can't go to the theater tomorrow. We're going to Camden Place tomorrow night. So that's the party that Elizabeth invited them to. And here's where Charles sort of points out the thing that I think Elizabeth was thinking too. He says, what's an evening party? Never worth remembering. Your father might have asked us to dinner, I think, if he had wanted to see us. You may do as you like, but I shall go to the play. So Charles is definitely reacting to the fact that it's a bit of a snub that Elizabeth only invited them to an evening party and not to a dinner party, especially as their freaking family. Um, which Elizabeth thought too, but she had her vanity that she didn't want to throw a dinner party if she couldn't throw the kind of dinner party she used to be able to throw. So she thought that this was enough and she kind of had worked it out in her own head, but Charles definitely sees through that. And they have a little bit of fight about that. He, she, he and... Elizabeth fight back and forth about going to the dinner party. And Mrs. Musgrove finally steps in and says, oh, yes, put it off. You must go change the box for Tuesday instead. Um, and, you know, it'd be a pity if we went with we'd have to be losing Miss Anne, too, because if there's a party at her father's, I'm sure she couldn't come. And, you know, Henrietta and I would neither care for the play if Miss Anne could not be with us. Which I think is, again, a very sweet thing where the Musgroves really have, like, taken to Anne and they seem to be really her only family at this point. They're much better than her blood relatives. And I think it's very sweet. And Anne takes this chance to sort of reply to Mrs. Musgrove, I think, in a coded reply to Captain Wentworth since he's in the room as well. Um, and it says, and she says, If it depended only on my inclination, ma'am, the party at home, excepting on Mary's account, 
would not be the smallest impediment. I have no pleasure in the sort of meeting, and should be too happy to change it for a play, and with you. But it had better not be attempted, perhaps. Um, and I think, saying, she's saying, well, I can't change it, but if I could, I would. I would love to be able to see you guys, or I would rather go to the theater with you guys than the party at Camden Place with her father. Um, but they all agreed that Tuesday would be the day and Charles would go and change the tickets. And then we have Captain Wentworth actively seeking out Anne. So he leaves his seat to go st- warm himself by the fireplace, probably for the sake of walking away from it soon afterwards and taking a station with less barefaced design by Anne. So he didn't want to just actively stand up and go walk over and make it look like he was trying to talk to her. So he gave a little bit more with saying that with, you know, trying to go to the fireplace first, make himself look like look he's cold and needed to warm up. And then he's just kind of wandering the room and just ends up by happenstance by Anne. But he, we know he was actually going there. And so then he comes and they have another conversation. This is conversation number three, people been asking for this the whole book and they finally have another conversation now i'm like three chapters in a row they have a conversation it's very exciting so captain wentworth comes over and he talks to Anne, and they talk about parties and Anne says no she doesn't really like those evening parties because i'm no card player and they kind of get a reminiscence of the past where it says you were not formally i know you did not used to like cards but times make many changes And Anne replies, I am not yet so much changed. (gasps) Getting very romantic. And then he, you know. And he replies back about the eight and a half years that it's been. Um, And he gets kind of. At least I see it as kind of defeated. He says, it is a period indeed. Eight years and a half is a period with exclamation points after both sentences, Um, which I take to mean he was getting a little bit, you know, into this conversation more than it would be polite by this uh, society. And, um, he might've gone further except for Henrietta jumps in and is going to, wants to go shopping with Anne. And so kind of pulls her away. And Anne is really upset and, you know, but she felt that could Henrietta have known the regret and reluctance of her heart in quitting that chair and preparing to quit the room, she would have found in all her own sensations for her cousin in the very security of his affection wherewith to pity her. So she can't say that, no, I I can't leave right now because I'm finally having a conversation with Captain Wentworth. So she has to go, but she's, but she's not happy about it. And so their conversation is cut very, very short. But just as they're about to leave, more people show up at the door. And guess who it is this time? Sir Walter and Miss Elliot, whose entrance seemed to give a general chill. Anne felt an instant oppression, and wherever she looked saw symptoms of the same. The comfort, the freedom, the gaiety of the room was over, hushed into cold composure determined silence or insipid talk to meet the heartless elegance of her father and sister how mortifying to feel that it was so so i'm just like seeing them as vampires walking in and like causing a chill in the room it's um 
it's crazy but you know but it makes sense they walk in and everybody's just like oh crap they're here nobody's happy to see them really because they just bring this chill to the air But Anne is happy to see that Captain Wentworth is acknowledged by both of them, Elizabeth even more graciously than before. She even addressed him once and looked at him more than once. Elizabeth was, in fact, revolving a great measure. And then, so Elizabeth cut him directly a couple days ago when she saw him in Bath, but now she's inviting him to the party with all the Musgroves. And gives him a card and blah, blah, blah to everybody. Gives him the invitation. Um, and gives one smile and one card more decidedly for Captain Wentworth. The truth was that Elizabeth had been long enough in Bath to understand the importance of a man of such an air and appearance as his. The past was nothing. The present was that Captain Wentworth would move about well in her drawing room, the card was pointedly given, and Sir Walter and Elizabeth arose and disappeared. So she has decided that Captain Wentworth is worth knowing because he's handsome enough and will look good in the room and, like, make her party look good. And that's all she cares about. And so she's gotten over the fact that she, he's not high enough anymore because he now is in Bath Society. He's high enough to make them look good. So they come in very briefly, give the invitations and leave. Um, it says the interruption had been short though severe and ease and animation returned to most of those they left as the door shut them out but not to Anne so she's just shocked that Elizabeth would give him the card so she's yeah she could think only of the invitation she had with such astonishment witnessed and of the manner in which it had been received a manner of doubtful meaning of surprise rather than gratification of polite acknowledgement rather than acceptance. Mary's very excited, saying, only think of Elizabeth's including everybody. Blah, blah, blah. Um, she mentions Captain Wentworth, which makes his cheeks glow and his mouth form into a momentary expression of contempt. And then he turned away that she might neither see nor hear more to vex her. So he's embarrassed that he, so my impression of this scene is that, so he gets, he gets the invitation from the woman who cut him like a couple days ago in public. And he's just shocked and kind of like, wait, what, huh? What's going on here? And so he's staring at it. But Mary takes the fact that he's like kind of staring in shock at the card to be that he's just so over the moon gratified about it. And that's what she says. And he hears her talking about him like that. And then you know, is embarrassed and doesn't really know what to say and so then turns away. Then the party separates, the gentlemen had their own pursuits, the ladies proceeded on their own business, and they met no more while Anne belonged to them. So then the ladies go off and go shopping the way Henrietta wanted to, the gentlemen go do something, who knows what. And then she's pressed to go have... Um, to dine with them later but she is just still kind of out of spirits from what happened earlier doesn't feel like up i think to seeing to being around company um it says but her spirits had been so long exerted that at present she felt unequal to more and fit only for home where she might be sure of being as silent as she chose 
So she, I'm, Anne is an introvert. She's had too much socialization and she needs to be, she needs to be alone for a little while, which being with Elizabeth is as good as being alone, (laughs) is what I get from that, which is pretty good burn. But she promises to go see them the next morning and she walks home. And when she gets there, she spends the most of the evening listening to the busy arrangements of Elizabeth and Mrs. Clay for the Mars party. Talking about who was invited and who was coming. And worrying about whether Captain Wentworth is going to come. Um, and she was roused, only roused herself from the broodings of the restless agitation of whether or not Ms. Captain Wentworth is going to come to let Mrs. Clay know that she had see- been seen with Mr. Elliot three hours after his being supposed to be out of bath. For having watched in vain for some intimation of the interview from the lady herself, she determined no mention of it. She determined to mention it, and it seemed to her that there was a guilt in Mrs. Clay's face as she listened. It was transient, cleared away in an instant, but Anne could imagine she read there the consciousness of having, by some complication of mutual trick or some overbearing authority of his, been obliged to attend, perhaps for half an hour, to his lectures and restrictions on her designs for Sir Walter. She exclaimed, however, with a very tolerable imitation of nature. Which, a very tolerable imitation of nature. So she made it look realistic. But Anne doesn't buy it. Um, though Elizabeth probably does. So Anne is assuming that she was somehow like tricked or talked into meeting Mr. Elliot so that he could lecture her and try to convince her not to marry Sir Walter. That's what she thinks happening. I'm assuming Anne is wrong, but I don't know what they could have been meeting about. But it seems to me like Mrs. Clay is involved more than she's letting on. And the idea that... Um, that they met on purpose so that Mr. Elliot could yell at her and lecture her about the situation seems unlikely to me. Um, but again, this is bringing up what we, this is now the second time in this chapter that's been brought up that they, you know, that they saw her or that Mrs. Clay saw Mr. Elliot. They were out in public together for some reason. I assume we'll find out why eventually there's only two chapters left. So we'll have to find out soon if we're going to, but I assume it's somehow important to the story that they met up. I just don't buy that. Anne is saying that she thinks that it's so he could lecture her and convince her not to marry um, her designs on not to marry Sir Walter, but I'm not buying that. But we'll see, because then the chapter ends. Our last chapter is with just what Mrs. Clay says about the situation. She says, oh, dear, very true. Only think, Miss Elliot, to my great surprise, I met with Mr. Elliot in Bath Street. I was never more astonished. He turned back and walked with me to the pump yard. He had been prevented setting off for the Thornberry, but I really forget by what, for I was in a hurry and could not much attend, and I can only answer for his being determined not to be delayed in his return. He wanted to know early, how early he might be admitted tomorrow. He was full of tomorrow, and it is very evident that I have been full of it too ever since I entered the house and learned the extension of your plan and all that had happened, or my seeing him could never have gone so entirely out of my head. So she blames the fact that she did not bring up the bring up seeing Mr. Elliot on, you know, I was just so excited by the party and the plans and da 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 da. Again, not buying it, I think. Something's up with Mr. Elliot and Mrs. Clay. We're going to have to find out soon. Because like I said, there's only two chapters left. So somehow in the next two chapters, we have to 
gets, you know, Captain Wentworth and Anne together, even though they've had three conversations that are all super short and kind of nothingness. Um, so somehow they have to overcome their differences and get engaged in the next two chapters. Probably next chapter, I would think, because then the last chapter is usually like some sort of like wrap up in these books. So I think we have like one more chapter of, to actually get them together. That's really exciting. I don't have a clue how we're going to get them together by next chapter. But we do have the Musgroves in town, which I think is important because it gives them or gives us a stage in which to meet. So they're, so he's going to be at the party tomorrow. So we're for sure going to see him. Well, he's been invited. I assume he's going to the party. And maybe that's where Anne will see him tomorrow at the party. Um, but she's also going to spend tomorrow all day with the Musgroves. And he's best buds with Harville, who's staying with the Musgroves. So she might see him again even earlier than... But she's going to see him tomorrow, either at the Musgroves or at the party, or possibly both. Um, and I assume somehow along the lines of those social interactions, they're going to work everything out and things are they're going to get engaged. Because it has to happen very, very soon. What the situation with Mrs. Clay and Mr. Elliot is, I am less clear about. So what we learned from Mrs. Smith... And what he has also said in the past to Anne is that he is anti-Mrs. Clay and doesn't want her to marry Sir Walter, which is the whole reason that he's gotten involved with his own family again, is to discourage Mrs. Clay. But I don't get how that, and they have not seemed to be the best of friends. So why is... Yeah, why are they spending time together and why is Mrs. Clay lying about it? Because um, she's seeming to say that they just met very briefly on the street. But that doesn't make sense of what Mary said she saw. Where I think she said they saw them coming out of the pump room or she thinks they were coming out of the pump room. And that they shook hands. Which I know from a modern context. Oh my god, they shook hands. It's so crazy. But... I do think that that is an intimate moment, at least from watching all the adaptations. The touching of the hands is a big deal. Um, so the idea that they specifically pointed out that they touched hands makes me think that they are better known to each other, like are better friends, better acquainted than we think they are. And Anne is still assuming that they're basically enemies, that they hate each other. Um, because... You know, he, Mr. Elliot's there to keep Mrs. Clay from getting what she wants. I don't know. I'm confused. Because it seems to me like there's more of a relationship there based on what we're seeing than what we know about. But I don't know why there'd be more of a relationship or how that would help the situation one way or the other. Like, because if he knew Mrs. Clay ahead of time, he wouldn't have, like, sent her in to become friends. And, like, it just doesn't make any sense for them to be, this to be, like, a conspiracy that where they knew about each other and ahead of time. So I'm not sure where this is going or how they know each other or why they know each other. But I assume there's some sort of something going on between them that I don't understand yet. So we'll have to figure that out soon enough. Um, I don't know how that's going to work out. I'm very interested to see how this wraps up in the next two chapters because we have to figure out what in the world is going on with Mr. Elliot and Mrs. Clay. Um, I assume Mrs. Clay is not going to marry Sir Walter. 
they're somehow going to get her away from him, I think, I assume, I don't know. Um, and then we also have to wrap up, obviously, the main story of Anne and Captain Wentworth somehow getting together. And will, you know, anybody else get in the way of this situation or not? I don't know. That's where I'm at right now. I think that I am more understanding of the whole Mr. Elliot situation than I was last chapter in seeing that Anne is thinking about it, not in terms of him just not respecting her father, but coming back and like lying to him and pretending to respect him. That makes a lot more sense of what his like, that he has these evil intentions or lying intentions to the family, as opposed to just being sort of mad that he doesn't like her father because nobody likes her father. Her father's a doofus. Um, but anyway, so that makes a lot more sense to me. I'm kind of thinking I'm getting that part of the storyline in my head. And honestly, it was fun this chapter to see the Musgroves. I missed them. They're fun. I like them. So it's entertaining to see the Musgroves back, back in town or in town now because they came to Bath. So that's fun. I'm glad that the Musgroves are here. They're entertaining. And, uh, yeah, and they, they have led to a way for Anne to spend time with Captain Wentworth, which is super exciting, and we'll see where we go from here. I am still expecting this to, I'm, I'm assuming that something big has to happen next chapter, because I'm assuming that the relationship between Wentworth and Anne has to end next chapter, because it has to be wrapped up before the final chapter, right? Because the final chapter is the catch-up, like, where are they now chapter, usually. Not always, because um, um, Northanger Abbey didn't have a Where Are They Now chapter, really. Not in the same way. So it's not 100%, but that's what I'm thinking is going to happen. Is that next chapter, we're going to get the... Somehow, Captain Wentworth and Anne are going to get over their differences and talk to each other and become engaged next chapter. That's my prediction. Because we only have two chapters left, so it has to happen soon. <laughs> I got a 50-50 chance because it's got to happen in one of those two. But I think it'll be next chapter. So next chapter is probably going to be big. And um, might finally get that romantic letter I've been hearing so much about. And hopefully good things for next chapter. So I'll see you next time with chapter 11.